The aim of Black Mental Matters is to tell experiences with honesty. Therefore, some discussions may trigger an adverse reaction. If a discussion is beginning to upset you, we advise that you please stop listening and talk to your support team. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Black Mental Matters. I'm Vince The Voice Bailey, and this podcast is designed, again, to eliminate the stigma as it relates to mental health in the black community. Makiba Reed Johnson and myself are dedicated. We're advocates. We're activists. We really want to make a difference and let you know that, hey, you are okay, and there's nothing wrong with seeking help. On this episode, we're going to be talking about PTSD. It's thrown out there a lot, what it is, what it's not. And in order to do that, we've also called in another expert, Dr. Felicia Barry Mitchell, a licensed psychologist who has dedicated her life to trauma therapy. So here we go, ladies and gentlemen, PTSD on Black Mental Matters, and it starts right now. Black Mental Matters with uh, Vince and Makiba. How you doing, Makiba? I'm doing pretty good, Vince. Happy Sunday. How are you doing? Happy Sunday. That's right. We're recording on Sunday. We've been traveling and doing all kinds of things, but uh, nothing stops. The show don't stop, right? (laughs) It sure doesn't. It can't. It can't. It can't. Mental health is too important. That's right. And uh, on that note, you know, last week, what a tragedy that took place as we were just talking about workplace wellness. And uh, we had the tragedy there in Milwaukee and the details are still leaking out slowly, but slowly. But something definitely took place in that place, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That that was really tragic to um, see that. And that's been an ongoing issue for, for decades now, you know mental health in the workplace and, you know, people, you know, having psychotic breaks while while at work. Right, right, right. And so hopefully, and I can tell already, we've had a lot of listeners, uh, Makiba, uh, uh, tuning into that show already uh, because right. it was so, so timely. And uh, and here we are today and in our discussion uh, we want to sit around is is post-traumatic, what is it, post-traumatic syndrome? How, how do, what, what is even the, 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 the title? What is it? Post-traumatic um, stress disorder, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Um, Post-traumatic stress disorder. And this is really, you know, an interesting topic to me because when so many people think about PTSD, they usually attribute it to, you know, the aftermath of serving in the military or some type of traumatic experience that's linked to to combat or, um, you know, serving, you know, in a war. But there are so many different types of trauma that a person can you know, experience that has nothing to do with war. I mean, you can have PTSD just from, you know, a personal life experience in your childhood. So I'm really excited about having this podcast because this is going to really ask a lot of questions and answer a lot of questions because a lot of people really don't know what it is. You know, I, I and I still quote you, and that was six months ago, I think one of the very first... <laughs> I know what you're about to say. Yeah, <laughs> when you gave me that analogy of the, 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 the deer running, the antelope running in the jungle and the tiger chases them and, and he gets away and, and he, he settles back down and everything cool and he get him some water, but for us in life, once something happens like that, every time we think about that lion chasing us, we, our whole body, uh, you know, goes on alert again and we re-experience it over and over and over again. Right. Yeah. That, and that's really something to think about when you're talking about, you know, stress and anxiety and trauma. And then when you look at research and the animal kingdom and how animals 
react to trauma and stress. It's a it's a learning mechanism, you know, that, you know, something happens, it, it's imprinted on the brain for that animal to now, you know, take caution if this is ever to happen again. But, you know, for humans, it's a lot different. And we internalize things and our brain gets rewired, um, you know, into unhealthy coping mechanisms and you know, and sometimes we're just sitting and just thinking about the same negative experience over and over and over again because we don't know how to start taking those steps to start moving forward. And those uh, ex- those traumatic experiences, I mean, they run the, the gamut from uh, maybe being, you know, hollered at or uh, as, uh-huh. as a kid up to, you know, physical abuse as a kid, again, sexual abuse, um, just all kinds of uh, things that can, I mean, well, we know what we uh, f- fight with in our our own minds each and every day and so this is something that whether you know it or not um you too listener uh may be suffering or know someone right close to you who is suffering from post uh traumatic ses- uh, stress syndrome mm. right yeah and and i just on that note Beth, i think that's important to also think about you know you mentioned different types of trauma that people can experience that causes ptsd but you know we also need to think about you know lacks or the lacking of certain needs that people may or may not have have received, you know, maybe in childhood, you did not, you know, get a lot of physical affection and you needed it, or you did not have a lot of emotional affirmation or you were neglected as a child. So not only is it, you know, things that we've been through, but it may be, you know, trauma due to a lack of something that we needed. Mm. And when you think about it, uh, I was doing my uh, due diligence and, and, and when they talk about how people, you know, describing their PTSD, listen, I, I just don't want to talk about it. You know, I feel like I'm just yeah. losing my mind. You know, I just keep having these panic attacks. I just feel numb when I think about that. I can't remember what happened. I, I'm having nightmares about that girl. That was a terrible thing. And we just kind of blow it off. But then, uh, you know, when you get uh, uh, in a clinical setting or something like that, you find out, no, you you really been uh, bearing uh, a heavy load and uh, there are some uh, you need some help. And that's why I'm so excited that, you know, we're, we're talking to an expert on this because culturally speaking, a lot of um, people of color, particularly particularly black Americans do not want to discuss, you know, stressors or things that they've been through or trauma that they've been through because collectively as a whole, you know, our response as a group um, has been, well, you just need to let it go or, you know, God's not going to give you anything more than you could handle or you need to pray about it. Like we've never had that validated for us from a medical or a professional perspective. So that's why this this is a conversation that needs to be had with professionals that know what this is. Well, we've got a professional that uh, when we come back uh, uh, will be joining us who has dedicated, dedicated yes. her life to revolutionizing trauma treatment, uh, specializes in PTSD, has worked with the veterans as well as the kids and the families and the couples and everything. So uh, everyone keep it right there. When we come back, uh, we're going to have on the line with us uh, Dr. Felicia Barry Mitchell. And uh, you don't want to miss it. We're talking about PTSD right here on Black Mental Matters. Stay there.
It's Black Middle Matters with Vince Bailey and Makiba Reed Johnson. And now join Makiba by a licensed psychologist, author, speaker, entrepreneur. She is uh, extraordinary. And again, as I said, is dedicated her life to revolutionizing trauma treatment. Uh, Makiba, welcome to the show, Dr. Felicia Barry Mitchell. And the crowd goes crazy. Yes. Yay! <laughs> yes, thank you for, for having Welcome. me. I'm so honored to be here. Well, it's an honor to have you. And uh, so we're talking about uh, PTSD uh, today, Dr. Uh, Mitchell. So uh, first, first, what is your definition as, you know, you, you have the, the, the PhD. What What is PTSD? PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, it's not my definition. I, I wish I could claim ownership of it, but it is not. It is from the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, the DSM, and we're on version 5, which is basically our diagnostic Bible that allows us to see criteria that have to be met before someone can be diagnosed with a mental health problem. It's the same way that our medical doctors have criteria that must be met before they diagnose someone with diabetes or hypertension and so forth. So we have one for the mental health field. And um, first off, you have to have experienced a life-threatening situation. So that could be um, threat of could be a motor vehicle accident. You guys were having a great discussion in terms of societally, we think it is combat, right? right. I wasn't in combat, so how can I have this problem? Mm. The reality is any life-threatening illness or injury, and even observing it, learning about it in a close friend or family member, or even sexual assault of any kind, can also lead to PTSD. Mm. You mentioned the... uh, So if you think about... You you yourself, though, did work with veterans. Isn't that correct? That is correct. I spent about five years in the Atlanta VA in in my uh, pre-doctoral internship at the Augusta VA. And so you were telling us again, as far as uh, the, the uh, PTSD and what I guess causes it, huh? And, and again, a life-threatening situation that happened in your life. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so once you experience that life-threatening situation or sexual assault, um, or you learn about it or witness it, then you also have to have those symptoms which will go over quickly for a month or more. And they have to interfere with your functioning, meaning that you can no longer continue to perform or show up in your life the way you used to. Wow. So intrusions, those are those memories that come out of nowhere. You know, you're not thinking about your trauma, and then the memories just come in out of nowhere. It's nightmares. Um, you can be physically present, but your mind is somewhere else. Like, you know, so that's what we call that you know, basically dissociating. And then you can also have physical physical symptoms. So like if you were beat up, you might have pains in your stomach or you might have um, pain in your back if someone, if you had a back injury due to a motor vehicle accident. So even though you've had the doctor say, you know, at this point, you've done proper treatment, your body's healed, but you might still have some of those pains because physiologically or physically, your brain and your body are saying there's still trauma that we need to deal with. This is just an eye-opening conversation that you're having with us, um, Dr. Barry Mitchell, because I was under the impression that PTSD was the unhealthy or the um, destructive response pattern to any type of trauma that you are now reacting to in your life, um, you know, by, by negative behaviors or, you know, acting out. I wasn't aware that the diagnosis has to be that it is life-threatening to you. Yes. So according to the DSM, so we, 
And we'll I talk about this in my book. So in my book, I talk about when we talk about little T trauma and big trauma. Little T trauma would be, I hear it often as a clinician. People say, oh, it was so traumatic, this thing that I experienced. Okay, so it was a terrible breakup. The breakup wasn't, um, there was no violence. There wasn't, you know, it was emotionally painful. But it wasn't life-threatening in the sense of the way we might consider. You know, it might be life-threatening in the sense of the life I knew was over. So that person might deem it traumatic in that sense. But in terms of a clinical trauma or little T trauma, I'm sorry, big T trauma, it has to meet the merit of being life-threatening or sexual assault. Or you, again, you witness something terrible happen. So like the people who saw the planes crash, right, for 9-11, they were not passengers on the planes because there weren't survivors, right? But they witnessed those uh, planes going to the tower. They witnessed it personally. That might be someone who might develop PTSD. Or if someone learns about a family member, a close family member, a friend, a loved one, uh, their injury, and they have great detail about it. As long as it's not part of your job, as long as you're not a news anchor or somebody who's part of your job or a police officer and you're consumed with the details of it, then you could also develop PTSD. That's the clinical definition. I know the way we speak, we hear the word trauma quite frequently thrown out there, but in terms of the diagnostic criteria, if someone were to come to me and say, hey, I had this breakup, it was really bad, or you know, I fell out of school, my parents are going to kill me, my life is over, right? Mm-hmm. That would be very stressful, distressing, but it's not, it doesn't meet the merit for a clinical trauma. Well, let, let oh, me, okay. you know, we were talking about the uh, the tragedy last week. All those folks that's working in that Miller plant there in Milwaukee, yes. would they qualify for uh, potential PTSD the, with the big T? Yes. With the big T. Yes, with, with, yes, a big T. So that, that experience itself would meet the merit for... Mm one of the experiences that would qualify and that they had some of these symptoms. So again, the intrusion avoidance symptom, which is just avoiding people, places, situations, emotions, um, arousal. You think about being easily startled, you know, people are really jumpy. They, um, have difficulty concentrating sleep problems. Um, those are some of the arousal symptoms and then negative thoughts and moods. So they might have negative thoughts about themselves. They might have negative thoughts about the world, the sense of safety, loss of interest in activities. So some, those are some of the symptoms. So intrusion symptoms, avoidance symptoms, the negative thoughts and mood, and then the arousal. Those are the four criteria that we look for that people have to meet in order to be diagnosed. But yes, what happened in Milwaukee, if some if those employees witnessed that, or even if they didn't witness it, but they heard the chaos of it, right? And they knew uh, they had someone who died. That would be a situation where um, it's, you know, they met, they had, they had that experience and they had symptoms for a month or more. They might qualify for PTSD. I'm sorry. I know, but Makiba, I got to say this here, that what, <laughs> what you just described, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Barry Mitchell is probably just about everybody in the black community didn't experience one of them things before. Yes. Yes, oh, sir. Oh, Lord, we yes. all got PTSD. No, we don't have to have PTSD. <laughs> That's the thing. You know, Lord. the reality is that the, the majority of people, so let's say, let's say, I think it's 60%, 70% of the people, you know, might experience a trauma. Only 8% will develop PTSD. Okay. Um, so, yes, in the black, if you think about, not just in the black community, but, you know, urban areas where there are people who are disenfranchised and, you know, lower socioeconomic status, yes we are exposed to things that some other people may not be exposed to on a more prevalent level, right? So you think about Chicago and how much violence there is in Chicago. I grew up in L.A. Um, So you think about gang violence in L.A., right? Gunshots going off. Yes. So we are exposed to a lot of things in our communities. And you're right. You guys were having this question earlier. Um, I think the people were saying about, you know, just prove it, give it to God. 
you'll be all right, shake it off, right? Versus, wow. Because it's such, it's such a part of the normal everyday experience for some of us that it's kind of dismissed without recognizing it has a toll. And the more experiences you have like these, the more it affects your mental health. Right, right. But we're just told like to give it to God or, you know, do the next thing. Right so, about it. Right. Yes. I'm a person of faith, so I definitely believe, God, hey, God can do it. But I also know he gives us tools Exactly. He gives us healers. He gives us people that we, you know, we can seek out to get. That he uses us as conduits, yeah. um, right, to to help us heal his people. Mm-hmm. But we first have to be willing to submit to the idea that this is not a weakness. And I love what you said, keep about the idea that your brain has been changed, and that is so true. This is about brain changes. When you have a trauma, it is so unlike anything you've ever experienced. Like who would have ever thought September 11th? seeing planes planes go into a building. Like, who thinks of that? Like, (laughs) it's so outside of the ordinary. Even, you know, working, I worked for for the VA for, again, until about six years. Um, The idea that you can train a soldier, and I work with a lot of um, police officers and firefighters, you can train somebody for the day-to-day job, but until that experience happens, or until you have to recover the remains of a child, that's the one that gets most people. Wow. Or you have women and children used to block tankers, and and your orders are keep going. <sighs> okay, hold on, Doc. You don't train for that. You 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 traumatize. Hold on, Doc. You traumatizing me right now. So hold on. <laughs> I gotta take a break. We're gonna take a break. I'm sorry. And I'm gonna let Makiba. I know Makiba. <laughs> listen, we're gonna take a break because I'm suffering over Everybody here. Everybody breathe. Everybody breathe. breathe. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, this is Black Metal Matters. You keep it right there. I'm back from my therapy session. This is Black Mental Matters. I'm telling you, we talking PTSD. It's Vince the Voice along with Makiba Reed Johnson on the uh, line with an expert in this and so much more. It's Dr. Felicia Barry Mitchell and uh, Dr. Mitchell. You talk about the big T, the little T. Uh, Makiba, what T? What, what you got? Any, what y'all, do like, I have? y'all like some tea? I don't. <laughs> I'm telling you, because Black folk, we'd have been through it all. We'd have been through it all. Yes. But, but but there is yeah. there is uh, yeah. uh, some solutions. Go ahead, Dr. Makiba. No, no, I was just saying that I, I love how Dr. Barry Mitchell is breaking down the big T versus the little T because there's so much information online, especially in social media, with younger people talking about triggers and trauma. And what what's kind of happening is that it's kind of being normalized to the point where people aren't realizing the significance of the PTSD diagnosis and people are just thinking about, you know, trauma, you know, in response to something that, you know, like seeing a police shooting over and over and over again on social media. And then they're saying that they're triggered and that they've got PTSD from that. And what I like is how Dr. Barry Mitchell is, you know, kind of letting us know that, you know, we got to be really careful with how we're talking about this because the more that we just kind of put a blanket on, you know, oh, trauma, you know, we're all experiencing this, everybody's experiencing some type of PTSD, that we're really minimalizing the impact of people that are really suffering from this illness. So, yeah, I just want to just kind of, um, Dr. Barry Mitchell, just to go into that a little bit just on how that big T and that little T and trauma and triggers and and just what the difference between all that is. Thank you, Mickey. That's a great 
point. Um, you are right. So part of it, when you see these things like police shootings, you'll see a lot of mental health professionals go online and say, hey, guys, please do not keep watching that over and over and over again because it's not healthy, first of all. And it can be triggering. So let's say, you know, it's not just that, but you like Vincent said, you know, so we've experienced as a people so much trauma in our community. So you couple that police shooting with seeing a domestic violence issue, you know, maybe your neighbor's parents were fighting all the time and you saw a bunch of violence or in your own home or whatever the case might be. Mm-hmm. So you had just all these compounded traumatic experiences. And so we have gotten this notion that, oh, you know, I'm good. It's, mm-hmm. I'm used to it. Just shake it off. Keep moving. You know. Right. And the reality is, is that a lot of our relationships are suffering. Our intimate relationships. Don't even get into that in this segment. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, but, you know, think about how hard black love is and how families are. If we could heal from these traumas, whether it's PTSD or not, the fact whether you meet criteria for PTSD or not, we have to heal from the traumas. Yeah. We can't keep dismissing them. We have to recognize that it still has an impact. And it affects not only the person who's experienced it, but the their loved ones, those mm. the people they're in relationship with, their aspirations, their goals, their drive, their motivation to, you know, it affects so much. And so we can get that in our heads and in our hearts, really, and reduce the stigma that seeking help is, a you know, something bad, which I love, love, love the way the culture is now in our community. You know, you have Roger P. Henson talking about it. You have Shanti Dads with Dads with the uh, Silence of Shame. You have Wale's new album. You have all these athletes, people, yes. a lot of sports figures, athletes coming out and saying, "Hey, I'm dealing with some stuff, and it's okay to get help." I love it because the more people who can do that, the more we can stick love, we can reduce, and the more we can get the help we need and heal our community. And we just be <laughs> we'd be better than we are. I mean, we're great people, but we could be so much better if we let go of some of this stuff we carry around trying to act like we're hard (laughs) and I think it shows that we are definitely resilient as a people I don't know if there's a more resilient people on the planet for sure but resilient doesn't mean that I don't need to get help to heal Mm. right Mm. and resilient at the cost of what exactly Exactly. Mm. right yes right now when you were talking about I just have one last um, question when you were talking about you know the way PTSD you know, shows up or how to recognize the symptoms. Um, and you talked mm-hmm. about how they're, you know, how they kind of are displayed in adults. I, I just have a, a two-part question, Dr. Barry Mitchell. Um, how does a parent identify PTSD in children? Um, and then also, you know, how can both children and adults seek treatment? And, and what are the treatment options? Mm. Okay, so I can be honest with you. I don't treat children. Um, so the criteria is different for children. It's a slight difference. So those same criteria would be in place. Um, to be honest with you, I'm not specific on the criteria for children. Well, well, okay. well let, um, can, can I just, I mean, if, if the criteria is 30 days, so are we saying a, a kid sees something that's terrible, 30 days they shut down. Are our kids suffering from PTSD, little kids? Oh, yes. These school shootings they're having to deal with, oh, even some of these drills. Yeah. Think about some of the drills, oh, yes. right? Yeah. So if your school may not have had a school shooting, the kids now, remember, I remember, I'm from California, we used to do earthquake drills, and then we used to do fire drills. Can You know, those are things that, okay, you can prepare for that, but can you imagine as a child, an elementary school child, being drilled on an active shooter event? Oh, my goodness. Right. Yeah, because fire How drills. Was, your fire drills was That's fun. Right. It was like a chance to run outside for a minute. You know, <laughs> yes. we do it with no fire. All right, cool. Yes, exactly. I, I can get with Amy exactly. now or something. You know, woo. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. So, I, so, I, so, so the situation, the symptoms are pretty much 
very similar, pretty much similar. There are some uh, differences, and to be honest with you, again, I'm not specific on what those are for children that don't treat children, mm-hmm. um, but the, it's still the same that, yes, there's a 30-day period. You want to get your children help. If you notice signs where, you know, they're not interested in their favorite toy or activities anymore, they're having sleep disturbance, they're easily startled, they're having nightmares. So the symptoms are pretty much similar. But there are some 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 different differentiations for children. But it's the same thing. You if you notice your child's behavior is you know very in stark contrast to what it was before, it's okay to seek help. It's okay to seek help. It's okay to to talk to them and normalize it for them. So you know that there's no shame in them doing that. Um, and I think the best thing we can do as parents is to normalize for our kids that we all need help. And help comes in different ways. So if we create a culture in our homes, it's okay to talk about things. Yes. You know, so my son is 16, my youngest. I have two adult children, but my youngest is 16. And every day I, have to, I say to him, hey, you know, he's a teenager, wants to be in his room. <laughs> hey, let me see you. What's the highlight and what's the low light? Highlight, low light. Just give me what's going on. Check in with me. Um, because as much as he's a teenager and wants to be in his room, I am, as his parent, want him to know I'm invested in what's going on with you and I want to know. That's right. Right. And so, and, and making sure that I'm not seeking things that are stigmatizing so that if I say to him, come talk to me, but then I'm saying something contrary to that in my language, right? Mm-hmm. That We can't be double, double-minded. Wow. <laughs> and we can't talk out both sides of our mouths. So if I'm telling you, come talk to me, something's wrong, but then I'm saying, you know, Johnny over here is always acting like something's wrong with him. I have nothing wrong with Johnny. Well, really? So then I'll tell you something's wrong with me. Am I going to open up to you? Wow. <laughs> right. So right. we got to be ready about, for whatever response. Have to, yes. And we have to be create a culture in our homes and where we are, where we have influence. That could be in the workplace, where church, wherever that is, to say, it's okay and I'm here. And then be mindful that we're not saying things that contradict that to people. You must have went to the McKeever so Reed Johnson saying? School of, uh, because <laughs> I hear saying the same things. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. What you're basically saying is that, is that we need to make sure that we are creating space for people that are dealing with this. And that, you know, when you do open up that door and say, Hey, how are you doing? Or what's going on with you? You've got to be ready to, like me and Vince say, listen with two ears, you know, two, two ears, one mouth. You should listen twice as much mm-hmm. as you speak. Mm. Yes, ma'am. That is correct. Mm. Well, doctor, uh, we got a little bit of time left. And I love the line you talk about revolutionizing trauma treatment. Uh, again, we got a short amount of time, but I know that there's some things that f- first of all, give, give me a couple things that people can do to. I, I know you can't stop the PTSD, but you, you were just talking about that. Make it a safe space at home. Uh, are, mm-hmm. are there other things that people can do first on their own? And I know clinically, but uh, talk about that briefly, doctor. Sure. So the first thing I would say is recognize, again, that you're not crazy, mm-hmm. um, that you have nothing to be ashamed about, to seek help and support. Don't close people off that are close to you away. Um, you need support, right? If you are a person of faith, seek out your faith leaders, pray, definitely do those things. If you know you're not sleeping well, trust me, you need to sleep. So work with somebody to improve your sleep. A lot of people tend to self-medicate to cope. And so recognizing that's not going to, that's a, a very temporary um, fix. It's not a solution drinking to a problem don't that do, needs. Don't do the drinking and yes. drugging. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Sleep hygiene is so important. It's so how we sleep affects how we function. So getting good rest, creating a relaxation ritual, um, preparing your body for sleep, not abusing substances before sleep. Even though you think it's helping you get to sleep, it's going to interfere with your ability to get the good sleep. Mm. Use breathing retraining. 
mindfulness. Mindfulness is simply being in the present moment without judgment. Because you find yourself beating yourself up. That's not without judgment. Being mindful in the moment is just saying, like, in this present moment, one of my favorite mantras is, in this present moment, I have everything I need. Mm. Mm. That. Mm. So being my, use practicing mindfulness, being present without judgment. So I'm not thinking about tomorrow, the next day, the bills, the to-do list. I'm in this moment. And in this moment, I have everything I need. So I focus there. Um, I don't beat myself up. I'm loving. I'm kind. Be kind to yourself, right? Um, if you find yourself having negative thoughts, if I had done this, then that wouldn't have happened. Mm. I should have done this. Yes. That doesn't help it. It's yeah. not going to, you know, change the, the situation. So again, staying present, focused, and looking at doing what works. I tell people that all the time, do what works. If you're focused on negative thinking, that's not going to help you create a better life and a solution. Um, so breathing retraining is a great tool. Your breath is the best tool your body has mm. to reduce stress. So how you breathe tells your brain what resources you need, tells you whether you need to give fight or flight. Your breath tells your brain whether it needs to send more oxygen and blood flow to the lower extremities. Or it tells your tell it tells your brain, uh, you know what, lay back. We're good. We're good over here. We're relaxed. If you ever got, you know, did massage or yes. hair hands and nails done, you're yes. breathing is slower. <laughs> yes. Your breathing That's is slower. Right. So you're, you're, you're slowing your breathing down. People think it's the deep breath. Deep breathing is, is okay, but it's really how you expect, how you let that breath out. If you let that breath out slowly, it slows down your breathing, and that brings about relaxation. And so that will help you when you feel irritable and easily startled. And when you have one of those memories, you start breathing slower. That'll help you to calm down, and that'll help you in the moment. That's one of the best tools I could tell you without, of course, clinical yeah. treatment. There are um, some clinical treatments that you would need clinical intervention for that which is nothing wrong with getting that well i feel better I, 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 feel, I, I feel better already i don't know about y'all but i feel better i'm sitting uh, over here doing breathing i know you are i know you are uh her name again awesome. dr felicia barry mitchell how can people find you dr mitchell i am on all social media at dr felicia barry okay dr f-e-l-i-c-i-a-b-r-o-i and i have a book coming out Later this spring is Building Courage and Resilience After Trauma. Um, so I hope everybody will go to my yes. social media platforms to be looking out for that. As well as my website is drfeliciaberrymitchell.com. All right. We'll let them know. And uh, it has really been an honor and, and a pleasure talking to you today. Uh, something else, ain't it, Makiba? I thought I was in yes. like double Makibas yeah. today. <laughs> no, no, I can't touch Dr. Barry Mitchell. I mean, we, we both had the, that hyphen in common, but boy, <laughs> that was amazing. Amazing. But thank oh, you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And hey, we're all about uh, helping our people, helping all people, but definitely helping our people in the black community. And as our, our two experts, uh, Makiba, as well as Dr. Barry Mitchell told you, it's, it's all right. We're going to be all right. That's why we have Black Mental Matters. Uh, thank you so much. Have a great one. 